Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, Greyhound Racing. Anyone ever been to Greyhound Racing in your life? Okay, Paul's been there. Some others have been. Popular betting sport in some parts of the country. They attract crowds, and uh, they're watching these incredibly sleek and beautiful dogs race around the track as fast as they can. And, and now, unlike racehorses, there's no jockeys involved here, right? Uh, you cannot fit a jockey on top of a, a, whore, of a, of a dog. So they, um, to keep the dogs running in the right direction, they... Uh, they are trained to chase a mechanical rabbit. And, and so up in the press box, there's this guy who is, pr- controls the speed of the rabbit. He pushes a button, and off it goes. And, and uh, the dogs never catch up to it. It stays ahead of them, but it stays just close enough so that they, they still can see what they're chasing. And Well, some years ago, at a Florida track, and uh, a big race was about to begin. And as the dogs were crouched in their cages, ready to go, uh, final betting spectators were finishing their wagers. And at the proper moment, the gun goes off. And the man in the press box pushes his lever. And, and the rabbit starts down the final stretch. And while the, the cage doors fly open, releasing the dogs after them, after the first turn, an electrical short in the system developed and caused... Well, it caused the rabbit to come to a complete stop to explode and to go up in flames. Poof! All that was left was a little bit of black fabric hanging at the end of the wire. Well, with the rabbit gone, the, the bewildered dogs did not know what to do. Uh, according to several news reports, several of the dogs just laid down in the track, <laughs> their tongues hanging out. Uh, two dogs, still frenzied, not knowing what to do, crashed into the wall, breaking some ribs, and... Uh, another dog began chasing his tail, and uh, the rest of them just started howling at the crowd. Not one dog finished the race. <laughs> well, like professional greyhounds, um, we as people sometimes choose rabbits to chase, don't we? Uh, we we're looking for some reason for living or purpose or direction for, for running the race that we're in, and and what our what our goal is, what our prize is, what the things that we're attaining to, well, that's it's kind of different for all of us, but there's something we chase oftentimes. Uh, we've been doing this series, if Jesus is the answer, what's the question, and who's asking? And, and the point all along has been that we have questions for God, and, and, and we say in the church, Jesus is the answer for the world today, but, well, what's the question? And the question oftentimes depends upon who's asking Where are they coming from? What are the experiences or the circumstances they're dealing with that brings them to this place for they're asking questions to which Jesus would be the answer? And so through this summer, we've been looking at different characters that Jesus interacts with and the questions that they have. And so today, our our final one, we're we're looking at a, a young man who has questions for Jesus. And this is in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. If you have your Bibles open there, Jesus is just finishing teaching about children and their place in the, in the life and God's important and how he cares for them. And, and it says in verse 17, as, 
As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Well, when it comes to questions, this guy has the most basic of questions, doesn't he? He comes rushing up to Jesus. He's just finishing. He's going to take off. But, but to say, i got to ask my question. So he comes running, and he gets on his knees, and he says, Tell me, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and with anticipation, almost begging for this answer, he comes to Jesus, and, and he says, Good teacher, tell me this. And... That's your basic question, isn't it? I mean, when it comes down to it, we're thinking about life and, and faith and what all this stuff means, the things that we're chasing after. What is it all about? What must I do? And Jesus' response is, well, a little off-putting, it seems. At first, he says, why do you call me good? The only one who's good is, is the Father. So, what are you saying? Are you just buttering me up? Are you trying to make me feel good? Or is there something that you're sensing or thinking about who I am? Because that's going to make a difference in probably how you hear what I have to say. And then he directs them towards the Old Testament commandments. Uh, we would recognize them pretty closely with the Ten Commandments, except there's not ten here. Uh, the Ten Commandments, the first four of which have to deal with God himself and our relationship with God. The last six have to deal with, with mankind. So do not murder or commit adultery or steal, uh, defrauding people, honoring your father and mother. These, these are the things that he's directing them to. How are you doing with these basic of things? You know these commands. You've grown up with these things. And, and it says, teacher... I've been doing that since I was young. I, I, I've been doing that as, as faithfully as I can. I've been doing that. And now the cynical among us at this point might say, yeah, right, <laughs> whatever. You've kept all those really well. 
But that's the cynical among us because there's no sense of this in Jesus, is there? In fact, all it says is that, that he turns to him and, and he loved him. I, I was trying to picture what is what is that look like? Uh, last night I had, had Mark David and stand up and I, I put his, my hands around his neck and just gazed at him as, how else can he do this? He loved him and gazed at him and, and then said, there's just one thing you lack. Just one thing. And he says, sell everything you got and give it to the poor. You'll have treasures in heaven and then come follow me. He invites this man to come be one of his followers, to, to, to let go of the, the things that he had been doing and living, and, and now to, to be part of Jesus' group, his disciples. There was an invitation here. Unfortunately, as Jesus asks this of him, the man turns away. Apparently he was a man of some means and, and some wealth. And he walked away, sad. It was too much. And Jesus' reflection on that is, man, it's hard for the rich people to come to God's kingdom. Which is kind of a curious statement for, for many's perspective. I, I mean, even it's a troubling statement even for his disciples because, well, how, in this world, how else do we know that God has blessed us and that we've pleased God except that we have lots. We're blessed with stuff. That if we have, I mean, this is the, the common way of looking at, at wealth. If, well, you must be blessed by God. We see things or things go well for someone. What do people say? Well, you know, it must be clean living. How do we get... Right with God, and what's the evidence of it? It's got to be that God blesses you materially. And so the disciples are thinking, this is what it's all, if, if, if this guy who's got all, how can anyone be saved? And it's like, yep, good question. And that's the next part of this question. This most basic of questions. How can? Jesus says, with man it's impossible. And, and you have a sense as he's answering this to them regarding rich people, it's not just about rich people. That with man it's impossible. But nothing's impossible with God. David Garland, in his commentary on, on Mark, has a, a couple warnings for us in how we might want to try and interpret this story. And, and one of the warnings is that, that we would try and find some way to make this completely radical thing of getting rid of all your stuff and make it more reasonable. You know, maybe there's, maybe, you know, maybe he's just not speaking of that. But I think... We do harm to the passage in Jesus' intent when we, we try and, and, and whittle away at what he's saying. Well, okay, well, it doesn't really mean all that. 
I think we need to take seriously the challenge to this rich man. And I think in particular in a, in a, in a world and culture such as ours, where we have much. If we're making more than $40,000 a year, we aren't just average. We are rich in this world. In comparison to people in, in other parts who have no running water, no clean water, no homes to speak of, certainly not a single family dwelling, there's richness. Some people have two homes. Many of us have homes for our cars. That's wealth. Many of us have homes for our cars that have so much stuff in them that our cars can't fit in their homes. (laughs) These two are examples of, of wealth. And so we need to think about this because the, his second warning is for us to make, us, make this about somebody else. You know, how is Jesus saying this about those really rich ones? But I think the challenge is for us to listen to this interaction Jesus has with this man who has great intentions, doesn't he? He has great motivation and passion. How do I know? And at his knees, he's begging Jesus, tell me how to do this. And, and, it, and he talks about the commands and he says, I've done all those. I've done it. And Jesus, with love, looks at him. But in looking at him with love, he also does not take away from what he needs to hear. Which I think is an example of, well, what true love is all about. To tell people, this is what your problem is. This is the thing that's that's wrong. Sometimes we shy away from telling people the truth because we, well, we don't want to embarrass them or make them feel bad. But if they need to hear the truth, they need to hear it. We avoid that in in simple and sometimes silly, but also in deep and serious ways. You know, if someone's got a little fleck of spinach on their tooth, you know, do you say something? You don't want to embarrass them, but, you know, maybe... Or maybe there's something bigger in their life. And love says, this is not okay. Even if there's a potential of risking the relationship... Which happened, right? I mean, Jesus tells them there's just one thing. Remember before I mentioned that when Jesus brings up the commandments that he asks about, he doesn't mention the first four. First one is, you shall never know, know gods before me. You shall not make any image or graven images. You shall... Keep the Sabbath, and you shall not take my name in vain. And, and, and there's a sense that certainly in his question or his direction, one thing you lack. Maybe he's getting at at least the first two of those. What does he have that might be before God? Is this, th- is this wealth for him something that what well, he can't let go of. That is something that is so, so connected to who he is that 
if God is calling me to give this up, can I do it? Which brings Jesus' comments about his goodness into bear as well. You call me good. Only God is good. So you call me good. Will you listen to what I have to say to you? And he says, there's one thing you lack. Can you give this up? Or is there an idol that you cannot let go of? In the end, Jesus lets him walk away. Which is kind of disturbing. <laughs> Jesus, go after him. Just to, come on, just here's what I mean by that. He lets him walk away. We don't know what happens to this man. Maybe he comes to his senses later on. Maybe after he sees the events that Jesus goes through, those things we remember in, in our communion today, that his sacrifice and, and his love and, and seeing and hearing about his resurrection, maybe there was a turn of heart. We know nothing about this man again, except that he walked away. And he's gone. And I think the challenge for us is to, one, to put ourselves fully in his shoes and come to asking this same question. What is it that Jesus would say to me, looking at us with love? One thing you lack, can you let this go? In your life, in our lives, what might that be? Could it be that maybe it's our, well, maybe it's our riches, or maybe it's sports, or maybe it's politics. Maybe something else altogether, relationship. What would, ask, what would Jesus ask you? Just one more thing. Another thing I've thought about this, this man is, are things hopeless for him? Is maybe he just needs to process. Because certainly, there's opportunities for us, having made mistakes, having walked away, having said, I'm going to do it my own way, to turn around and say, God, I was wrong. Forgive me. Because I hope he remembered that Jesus loved him and cared for him and loved him so much to tell him the truth that you think you've got it all. There's just something that's holding you back. What is it for us? What does it take for us to be full he is? We sang a song earlier. It's a song with good intentions. I surrender all. It's a song that none of us is fully accomplished. <laughs> At best, I've surrendered some. But the intention, the call, mirrors this message that Jesus has for the man. It's just one thing you lack. Can we give that? to him in our lives.
Let's stand for closing prayer. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning and again reflect as we look at your word and your actions with people. You, you don't make it easy sometimes. But you do that with love because your call is not for us to skate by, but for us to fully know your tremendous love for us. But that in following you, we need to recognize it's all about you. Help us to to walk this path with you. And we'd ask that you, even in this time of prayer, you would speak to us. What might that one thing, or dozen things, we need to let go to fully follow you. Spirit of God, speak to us, guide us, direct us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.